Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hello and welcome to Off The Beat and Track Podcast. I'm your host. I'm Stu Whiffin. It's another week, therefore it's another episode. And today's episode is Roddy Woomble and... I had to really rein myself in on this one um, because Alderwild uh, and, and, and Roddy's work have been so such a big part of uh, the last 20 or so years for me. Um, I kind of tried to keep a, a lid on it and didn't sort of uh, mention uh, what a fanboy I was. Um, and yeah. It was uh, a real privilege to get to sit and, and, and chat to him. And um, what a warm and interesting, uh, lovely guy he was, as you're about to find out. Um, before we get on with that chat, a couple of thank yous. Um, thank you to Scroobius Pip and everybody at the Distraction Pieces Network. Um, thank you to 76 for producing this audio. Um, and it's uh, it's it's not the easiest job at the moment because... Uh, all he's got to play with is Zoom audio, and uh, it's not like we're we're sitting in a studio. So um, he's doing uh, everything he can to ensure you get a nice, warm sounding podcast. And and Roddy was an absolute gent. And before we started, kind of switched things around and got his his new posh mic out uh, to ensure that um, yeah, we got a good sounding podcast for you. So you're in for a treat. Um, if this is your first time listening to Off the Beat and Track, when um, when you finish listening to my chat with Roddy. Um, Go and explore the, the back catalogue because there's 300 plus episodes available. You can hear me talking to musicians such as um, Foo Fighters, um, Motley Crue, Suede, Idols, Sleaford Mods, Fatboy Slim. You can hear me talking to producers such as Butch Fig. If you like comedy, you can hear me talking to James Acaster, Ed Gamble. Um, yeah, there's 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 a lot of stuff to be enjoyed so uh, and it's all free so go and give it a listen um also if you'd like even more content and you'd like to support the podcast you can do that over on patreon uh that's uh com forward slash off the beat and track um and what that is it's um I mean, there's probably 250 episodes over there as well. And it's 79p a month. So what's that? Oh, God, I'm going to put myself on the on the line here and get it all wrong on me. It can't be a lot more than, well, it's less than 20 pence a week. Um, and that'll give you access to so many 
uh, more episodes, uh, loads of video episodes, um, loads of radio shows and mixtapes. Uh, you just go over there and uh, and it's like a little, if you've not got stuck into Patreon yet, it's um it's just like a little social media feed. You just click the app on your your phone or your your, your Mac or whatever you're on, and uh, and yeah, and there's just a little running feed from me, uh, and on there there will be you know videos to watch and and yeah and podcasts to listen to and radio shows to listen to. So it's really easy and it doesn't really cost a lot, and it you know that that seventy nine p a month really helps. It goes into you know, paying for production and, and, and bits and pieces. So, yeah, any any help you can give over there, then then great. But I do also understand that, you know, it's been a tough a tough year and, uh, and, and and pennies are a few and far between. So don't feel any any pressure to do that. You know, there's enough stuff over on Acast, Spotify and Apple Podcasts where you can get, you know, stuck into all of the episodes for free. Um, but, yeah. Like I say, Patreon, if you want to support it, amazing. If not, no dramas. Um, you can find out about everything that I've just mentioned at your one-stop shop, which is www.offthebeatandtrackpodcast.com. Okay, that's all me kind of uh, pre-show waffle, and, uh, and now you're going to get some good chat now. Uh, not from me. That would be some very average um, Essex-sounding lispy twang. Um, but what you are going to get is a delightful uh, chat from um, a wonderful human being. Please enjoy Off the Beat and Track podcast with Roddy Woonbill. Right, I've got to take a quick break in this podcast because I've got some super exciting news. Off the Beat and Track podcast is proud to go into partnership with the Cacao Bar from Hotel Chocolat. That's right. The Cacao Bar is not a chocolate bar. It's all the best bits of a chocolate bar put into a really exciting new alcoholic range. That's right. Gin, vodka, and a beautiful range of cream liqueurs. So one of the big bonuses of this partnership is obviously I'm super thrilled to have Hotel Chocolat working with us, but they sent me a great big box of this stuff. And I'm telling you, it's amazing. Go and check it out www.hotelchocolat.com or over on the socials at Hotel Chocolat. But yeah, in the coming months, there's going to be opportunities for you to get involved with competitions with us, to win bottles of stuff. There's loads of exciting things coming soon and I can't be more happy to say that this podcast is in partnership with the Cacao Bar from Hotel Chocolat. All right, let's get back to the podcast. It's Off The Beat and Track Podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. Keep me stew with him. Right, we are recording. Good morning, Roddy. Good morning. How are you? I'm okay, mate. I'm okay. Big day on the island today, I gather. Yeah, well, I've actually forgot about that, but there's a, uh, a royal visit. Right. So I went out this morning um, to drop my son off. He gets the ferry to school. And there was all these kind of security people around, you know, black cars, with black tie windows, which you don't normally see in a Hebridean island. <laughs> no, and then I was like, what's going on? And someone was like, Do you, like almost looking at me in disbelief, like I didn't know. And they were like, there's Princess Hans coming to visit. <laughs> <laughs> so it was all a bit, yeah, it's all kind of weird. But I, they, they, you can see right out my window, just all these kind of, yeah, I suppose it would be quite an, it'll be quite an exciting day. Well, I always like to ask guests, um, obviously in the, 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 the situation that we're, we're in at the moment, how they've found the last 14, 15 months, um, both personally uh, and 
creatively. Um, and I'm really interested to to get your take on that for somebody that lives in, I, I guess, a relatively isolated area compared to probably a lot of the guests that I've spoken to. Oh, man, it's really isolated. It's, uh, it's you know, I mean, I struggle with the idea of being, uh, being remote because that sort of suggests that I'm missing out on anything. And I don't feel that at all. I feel like living here is, in many ways, I felt more remote when I lived in London or New York or places, you know, you felt you're surrounded by millions of people, but you're disconnected to them all. Yeah. And in a small place like this, you're connected to everyone. You realise that how everyone needs each other to kind of... So it's, uh, you know, not to get too kind of like, you know, uh, philosophical about the idea of a community, but I do really appreciate being part of that. Um, and, you know, in a, something like a global pandemic and a lockdown, which was a new thing for everyone, uh, a new way of coping for everyone, being part of a community throughout that is, was, you, you know, it, it, it was, it made things a lot easier. It made uh, people like in a, and the island that I live on didn't really have any cases of COVID nineteen. Luckily, so it was quite easy just to sort of stop people coming over to it yeah. for a while, uh, and until the world kind of sort of sorted itself out a little bit, and then gradually over the past sort of six months, the island started opening up to people because it's quite a touristy place. People want to come on their holidays, particularly this year when they can't go anywhere else. Yeah. And they're thinking, let's go to Scotland. So, um, yeah, uh, and I found, creatively speaking, it, it was no different to my normal uh, existence. Like, uh, I'm one of these people that create sort of on my own anyway, and sort of I'm quite a solitary kind of type of character, I guess. Yeah. So I didn't find, I didn't struggle with that aspect of it at all. I didn't miss anything. I'm quite intact, really, in the things I like to do. And yeah. most of the things I like to do, you'll be on your own, you know, so... Yeah. So I suppose in, in many ways, yeah, to answer your question, it was quite an easy place to cope with a global yeah. pandemic. Okay, we're going to start the playlist, Roddy, and for track one, I'm going to ask you please to tell me the song that you regard as having the greatest ever intro. Well, I was thinking about this for a while, but I think I can't get past Like a Rolling Stone by Bob Dylan. Oh, I mean, that is just a sort of birth of popular music in my mind, you know, like when ideas and poetry and like, you know, the whole, you know, nothing had to be perfect. It was all about like, it was, it's a pure artistic statement to me from the ultimate artist you know uh, and I do think that obviously there's loads of other cool it smells like teen spirit from when I was younger and you know songs by teenage fan club or pavement or you know I, you know I, I started to kind of go down a bit of a rabbit hole with that one you know but I, I always come came back to like a rolling stone when the snare hits oh, and it's it's just the start of something new it really is it feels like the start of something completely new um, and it still feels like that when you put it on. It's yeah. just like the day changes yeah. after that song's uh, you know started. And and in regards to um, intros and as as a songwriter, Roddy, the way that people would have bought and listened to early Idlewild records compared to um, the, the the stuff that you're putting out now, the way they, they you know they would have listened to that would have been very very different. You know, mm. um, and so with that in mind, I'd just like to ask songwriters, and I guess this is maybe more leaning towards a, a more sort of commercial pop market, I guess. But just as, as I watch my children, uh, when they, where they find their music now on all kind of weird apps, and, and I'm watching how quickly their thumbs are moving and, and these attention spans yeah. seem to be slowly <laughs> getting smaller. Um, I just wonder if the way that people listen to music now has ever has any effect on how you how you write now, and has that sort of evolved with how technology and and streaming services and 
that has evolved. Uh, you know, do you get where I'm going with this question? I, yeah, I, I've yeah, been I trying for about 300 episodes, Roddy, to get this question right, and I can never quite nail it. But uh, I, know, I know what you mean. I mean, do you, do you, uh, what you mean is, do you think about um, how people are listening to your music when you're making it? Yeah. And the answer to that is, uh, well, in my in my case, it's not. I don't. Um, and, and anyway, in many ways, I'm kind of going backwards. Uh, when we started making records with Idleworld in the sort of late 90s, you know, um, people, a lot of people still listen to music on tape. We always brought tapes and LPs and CDs. And CDs were not new things, but they were like, you know, the tape and the LP was almost as important. In many ways, like LPs were kind of going down a bit and, you know, now they've kind of obviously made a resurgence. And we used to sequence records as, as side A and side B. Yeah. Um, and that meant something different. It was like a different feeling you wanted to have. You wanted to, you knew there was going to be a pause in between where people turned the tape over or turned the, the LP over or didn't play side B, you know, like that was a pause. Uh, and then I went through years of not, not sequencing albums like that, thinking more of a, you know, kind of a, like a CD. And, but now in the past couple of records I've made, I've sequenced some uh, side A and side B. So I don't really take into account, um, listening habits the way that you can um take into account when you make something you can't you can't make a song and you and then say to someone i want you to like it, or i want you to listen to it like this or you have to listen to it in the car or you have to you know you can't it doesn't belong to you anymore yeah. and the way that people listen to it doesn't belong to you either you, you don't have any say on that you just have to make do the you know produce the work yeah and then people can consume it in any way they want and i don't think about that no i mean i listen to i, I mean I listen to records still i mean i have a spotify account and i enjoy spotify but i'm still a record fan and i love the idea of a record the same way i love the sort of the you know the physical as you know having books and records is really important to me it means yeah. I'm, I'm surrounded by other people's ideas for track two, Roddy, I'm going to take you back uh, and I'm going to ask you to tell me uh, the first song that you remember hearing that had an emotional impact on you, please. Well, I mean, emotional, I was thinking about this again, like, I mean, not in terms of a, a burst out crying. No, it can be joy, it can be anything. I remember when, when I guess going back to when I was a teenager, um, which I'll, I'll probably talk about later on as well. Um, I lived in America when I was a teenager for um, two years, um, between the ages of 13 and when I moved back to Scotland, I was 16. So that, oh, is that your phone? Um, the pretty significant years for any kind of, you know, kid, you know, and, and, and that's where I discovered how much I love music. And I had a friend at school and he played in a band. He was older than me. Um, he played in a band every Friday night. He played in his older brother's band and they'd go to Athens and Georgia, which was close to where we lived, which is where R.E.M. and lots of other great bands come from. B-52s. Yeah, yeah. It's a real cool place. And they'd play, you know, you know, college parties and bars and stuff. And he'd come back and he'd tell me these stories. And it was like he was some sort of like, I don't know, it just felt so um, like a, a, a life full of sort of excitement and romance to me. You know, the idea of just getting in a van with his brother's band and going to Athens and play music. And they just played covers by all these bands I'd never heard of including like uh, Minor Threat and Black Flag and The Replacements, a lot of punk, punk, US kind of underground punk rock. So that's the kind of music that had an emotional impact to me in the way that it just made me feel uh, like I, you know, it was open, I mean, it was a cliche to say it, but it did open a door into something that I'd never, you know, didn't know existed. As something that was full of excitement and joy and uh, art, you know, it was an exchange of ideas, and it yeah. felt that I, it was something that I could do. Punk rock felt like something that I I could do. I didn't know musical talent, 
but it felt like something I could do. So, uh, and then of course, Nirvana released Nevermind around the same time, which brought that whole idea and that ethos into the mainstream. And hearing Teen, Smells Like Teen Spirit still is exciting. You know, I mean, it's not, I wouldn't, it's difficult to pick one song because Kids Don't Follow by The Replacements is probably up there. Yeah. Um, the, with that idea, the, the way it starts, it's just like a call to arms, you know, yeah, it's like, huge. here we go. And Smells Like Teen Spirit in a more kind of mainstream way, I suppose, is the same sort of thing when those, you know, kicks in. For a lot of people my age, I was 13, 14 when that came out. It, it was like we're talking about Rolling Stone, like a Rolling Stone being the start of something. That's what was like, Smells Like Teen Spirit and Kids Don't Felt Follow by The Replacements felt like for me. It felt like, you know, this is what I'm going to do with my life. <laughs> so it was a sort of feeling of joy and excitement and artistic awakening, you know. I think um, with those with those songs and those bands. And so, how how exciting was it? I mean, so, so you was the two years that you spent in the states at, at them sort of formative years was was in Athens, Georgia. We just outside was a place called Greenville, South Carolina. So it's about an hour and a half drive from Athens, Georgia, just across the state line from um, in South Carolina. So the the clubs that these bands were playing, did, did you get to go and experience like the Forty no. Watt Club and stuff like that? No, I, I mean I just heard stories about it. I mean this yeah. Matt, my, my friend at school, he was he was two years older than me. In American schools, they do this mad thing when if you don't pass enough tests, you get kept back a year. So I was like thirteen, fourteen. He was like he was sixteen or something, and his older brother was obviously over twenty one. And he looked quite old, so he got he got into the clubs because he was with his you know playing in his older brother's band. Yeah. So he was telling me all these stories about, you know, he played, I guess it was the 40 Watt Club they were playing at, and and it just sounded amazing. And I was like, wow. I mean, like, it didn't, you know, from that point on, I was never much of an academic anyway, but yeah. at that point on, I was thinking that sounds like a much more interesting way to spend your life. Oh, absolutely. Um, well, with, with, with that in mind then, um, if we're talking about academia and uh, and it not being for you, for, for track three, I'm going to ask you the song that reminds you of your time at school, please, Roddy. Well, when I moved back to Scotland then at the age of um, 16, I'd, I'd formed a band when I lived in America. And um, I, when I moved back to Scotland, I, I really wanted to form a new band. And I soon found a, a group of friends um, that were sort of similar, interested in the similar things, you know, like reading books and going for walks in the country, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> quite, I suppose quite twee, but we were quite. And as I lived in, you know, I grew up um, in Carnoustie, which is near Dundee on the coast, east coast of Scotland. So quite, not rural, but a small town, small town Scotland, um, but with the North Sea, um, you know, on the horizon. So uh, we were interested in creating sort of pastoral pop at this point. We were interested in Nick Drake and I love the Velvet Underground's third album with Pale Blue Eyes on it. And there was a band from Northern Ireland that we all loved called The Catchers. I don't know if you remember them, or just Catchers they were known as. No. Um, they, and so that's a song I'm going to choose. It's a song by them called Song for Autumn. Um, they, may, they think they put out two records. I discovered them through uh, Mark Radcliffe and Mark Riley used to have a great show uh, at night on Radio 1, Mark and Lard. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and they played some great music and introduced us to a lot of these records that we liked by you know people like Nick Drake and uh, Bill Fay and other people like that. So this was a, a band that they played a lot of. Um, they were a young band from Northern Ireland called Catchers and the song for Autumn was just, it was great. It was like, I suppose, an 80s sort of sound um, with uh, a sort of pastoral kind of poetry. Uh, I, 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 so lyrics were kind of that that kind of vibe. Uh, and the music was sort of jangly and very melodic. And my band, Hair Shirt at the time, that's the kind of music that we wanted to make. And when I think, when I go back to... Did you say Hair Shirt? Yeah. Is that after the R.E.M. song? 
No, it was after that we had this book about um what you know, it was about, well, I, I, REM do have a song from that's from, my from that's Green, my favourite REM song ever from Green from yeah. Green yeah isn't it Beautiful. We, yeah, it was it was the guitar player in the band he'd read this thing about monks used to wear hair shirts as a form of penance yeah. So this kind of went in with our whole ethos of pastoral <laughs> pop music. With a, let's name ourselves after a, a shirt made of hair that monks wear. <laughs> but yeah, of course, it's an REM song too. Um, yeah, it was. We were obsessed with all that kind of vibe, and you know, and and when I go back to Carnoustie now, I, I, I listen to music like that, and it really reminds me of being at school and yeah. being in a band and the possibilities. Um, you know, I think playing in a band at school is a really healthy thing for any kid to do. You know, I think they should teach that in the curriculum. Get it teaches you sort of like getting on with people too and exchanging your ideas. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. And ultimately, here, shirt we split up and I moved to Edinburgh. But um, song for autumn by the Catchers really reminds me of that time. Did you enjoy school? I went to ten different schools in four different countries, so uh, you know I moved around a lot. Um, so ultimately, no, I would say. Um, but latterly I did, like fifth and sixth year at Carnoustie High School I enjoyed. Because by that point, you know, you're old, older, you're a bit more sure of yourself. I was into music and I had a group of friends that liked the same things as me. And I enjoyed art at school. I was good at art and my, I like my art teacher. So, yeah, you find yourself, don't you, through school. But originally, no, I didn't like it. You know, I didn't like, I just didn't like the, the systems. And I didn't feel that I was ever being taught anything. I was just like, you know. I think you know real knowledge doesn't necessarily come from school, does it? I mean, sometimes it does. I never felt it was helping me yeah. in a way that you know it helps a lot of people. Um, but that's not to be dismissive of education. Obviously, it's I'm telling the same thing to my son every day. You know, like how important school is. <laughs> but secretly, I also feeling like yeah, I understand what he means when he yeah. says you know it's a waste of time. So the thought that you know what you just said there about going to ten different schools. I mean, what what was your relationship with confidence at that point? Because, I mean, that's that's got to be pretty difficult being the new kid constantly. Hmm. Well, I mean, the only time it was really hard was we went, lived in France and we, I went to French. So my mum and dad thought it was a good idea just to go straight to French school because they thought I'd pick up French. So I didn't understand anyway. <laughs> so, you know. the, fir- the first few days of that school, I was like sort of six. So I'd done a wee bit of French with my mum. And then suddenly I was like surrounded by all these people talking to me. I didn't understand the language. And that, I do remember that feeling of like, you know, you, you felt alone. You know, you really felt, you know, you're surrounded by people and you don't even know what they're saying. At least if you know what they're saying, it's like, yeah. you know, you're... Uh, you're if you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for 
value. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. A step further on. But, you know, ultimately, it uh, it taught me a lot. I mean, like from a young age, I've always been... I'm quite happy with my own company. I like being on my own. I feel very like, you know, I'm quite content in my, you know, in a room on my own. Uh, and I think that is a really important thing through life. If you can, if you're happy like that, I don't need sort of, I don't, I'm not looking for sort of approval. And that's weird how I ended up being a front man in a band because I'm quite so an introvert and quite shy. So I don't really stand on stage in front of people. It's a strange thing to end up doing. But like I was saying, in the previous sort of answers, it's just do with like the, the the way that music made me feel. I felt compelled to to get on stage and and exchange those ideas with other people. Um, but yeah, going to lots of schools was difficult, but like ultimately, it was it made me the person that I am really. Oh. Uh, and, uh, and why was that, Roddy? Why, why did you move so much? What was, was it my just... dad worked for Michelin, the tire company. So he got that job when I was about five, and we moved to France because they were based in France. And then he, he, they moved them around to different plants. And that's why we moved. And then that's why we were in America too. But largely, he, then he was, I mean, my mum and dad are both from Dundee. Um, and that's the Michelin have a plant in Dundee. So he ended up being there. Being there and he, wanted, he said, I think he must have said, I want us to hear from my kids so they can finish yeah. school. So, yeah, that was why we moved. I'm going to ask you uh, for track four, Roddy, for the first song you remember buying from a record shop, please. Um, well, I mean... I have sort of two answers for this one because, like, the first tape I ever bought was from Littlewoods in Dundee. Littlewoods was like a department store. Um, I had a cafe on the top, and I always went there on Saturdays with my granny and granddad. Um, and they were quite funny because they would always bring all their own stuff. <laughs> like they'd bring their own tea bag and their own rolls and stuff. The only thing they'd buy would be a block of cheese, and they would get a, a pot of hot water. <laughs> So they'd always have, they'd make cheese rolls and have tea, but they'd bring most of the stuff into the into the cafe. But they always had a t- like a music department downstairs, and they sold tapes. And the first album I bought, I remember my granny buying it, it was Five Star Silk and Steel. Right. They were kind of like a sort of, I guess, like a they were like, I think brothers and sisters, weren't they, or something? They were like a like a pop band. Yeah. Um, and there was a song called on that called Rain or Shine that I really loved. Mm. Um, so I bought that album. That was the first album I ever bought. It's obviously not a cool record or whatever, but. It was the first, I remember the feeling of like, you know, playing it and loving it and then turning it over and playing it again and keeping doing that, yeah. you know, until I knew all the words and, and uh, yeah, uh, and, I, and that, I think even at that stage, I loved the sequence of things. I loved the fact that it was an upbeat song and then a ballad and then, yeah. and they got, then they got upbeat again. So Soak and Steel taught me a lot about sequencing <laughs> records. <laughs> I think the first, first cool record I bought though, to go back to America was when 
I lived there and there was a, ta- a record shop called Manifest Music and Tapes in Greenville. And I started going there when I, you know, and buying tapes of uh, all these records that we're talking about, you know, Minor Threat, Black Flag, The Replacement Stink. That was one of the coolest tapes I bought. Um, REM Reckoning, I remember by Reckoning on, on tape there. I'm feeling so connected to it because it was made not that far away. Yeah. And it was full of this sort of like, I don't know if you've been to the South before, but uh, it does have a real feel to South of America, you know, like, you know, Georgia and South Carolina, especially in the evening, you know, it's so warm and humid and the kudzu is growing everywhere and people are sitting out on their porches drinking like iced tea. And it's got a real, it's still quite a vocative vibe for me now when I think about it. And Reckoning really reminds me of that. Uh, I'm buying that on tape from Manifest Music. I, I remember the day I bought it and it was, yeah, it was, so I would say, yeah. I, st- I know I'm not really answering with one song, but some either Rain or Shine by Five Star or maybe Harbour Coat by R.E.M. Oh, what a beautiful record. Um, I mean, it's so bizarre. I mean, as a, I mean R.E.M. one of my favourite favorite bands of all time, and, 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 and I could talk endlessly about them. Um, however, Five Star are from where I'm from. Uh, really? And, <laughs> and I, I had Doris Pearson of uh, Five Star on this podcast about, <laughs> about two months ago and got to ask about <laughs> That record, and, uh, wow. and <laughs> there you go. Listen up. I've only got another new sponsor, Egg Fried. It's this super cool clothing label. And if you're into sort of skating and street art and gigging and, and kind of like really cool art and throwing a little bit of Asian culture and, and the designer's kind of weird sense of humour in the mix, then you're pretty much there with the wonderful world that is eggfried.com. Now, They do these amazing punchy kind of graphic tees, hoodies and sweatshirts, beautiful art prints, as well as this, they have a denim range, all handmade in-house, all supporting the slow fashion movement. Not only that, they've given you a discount code, 10% off when you head over to eggfried.com. Just use the code EGGSALAD, E-W-G-S-A-L-A-D, save 10%. Go and get lost in the world of egg fried. Also, they've got a new kids range, and it's called Small Fried, and it's super cool, super cute. Um, and again, it's all over there in this wonderful world. Go and get involved at eggfried.com. Okay, I mean, just in regards to record shops, Roddy, um, growing up, from from what you've said, they sounded like pretty important places. Um, yeah. and, and over the years, uh, as, as a, you know, going to become like an independent artist, how important are record stores now well i mean i don't go to them very much anymore which is a shame i used to love that when we started going on tour idleweld going to every every town i'd discover the record shop yeah and then when i'd go back there like it was in, if it was in sheffield i would go to a certain record shop or newcastle or bristol or you know and then paris and new york all these places i discovered the you learn a lot about a place with it's through its record shops yeah and the people that are in the record shop and the music that's playing when you go in there. And I love the subculture of it as well. You know, it's something I felt like, I feel at home when I'm in a record shop or a bookshop, you know, they're like sanctuaries from the high street, you know, they're where you can find kindred spirits, you know? So I've always loved them in that way. Um, but now, I mean, not living anywhere near one and, you know, it's particularly the past couple of years of like, you know, being more isolated. I haven't been into a record shop for a long time, but then again, the beauty of, you know, online is you can take part, Online. I mean, my local record shop, I guess, is Monorail in Glasgow, mm. um, which is run by Stephen Pastel from the Pastels. It's a yeah. brilliant record shop. Um, and I, I order from them online. So I still feel I'm part of it somehow. Yeah. 
but I don't go in there, you know, I haven't been in there for a couple of years. And um, There's other great record shops in Scotland now, but um, when we were growing up in, in Idlewell first formed, it was Avalanche in Edinburgh that we went to all the time. And that was a real kind of like, like, you know, that film High Fidelity, there was always, you know, it was that kind of place that, you know, you never cool, never cool enough to, you know, anything never. you ask. Never. They were always playing something that you never knew of, you know, so that was the whole point of it. But you, you would, had to ask. Yeah, and that was it. And then they would just rain on your parade. You weren't oh. worthy. You was never worthy enough to uh, to get the kudos of the guys behind the store in the record shop. Yeah, but as it should be, I think, you know, so it's like... <laughs> Well, for track five, Roddy, um, I'm going to ask you to tell me uh, a song that soundtracks your years clubbing. Well, see, I didn't really go clubbing. Um, I didn't. I wasn't really into that. As I say, I'm not massively into crowds, and I, I've always, since I was younger, I guess maybe a bit old before my time, not to in any kind of big-headed way. I just mean I always preferred quiet pubs and things like that. You know, yeah. I like to listen to music a lot, but on kind of on my own or at my house with friends around. I was never really into clubbing. The only club I ever went to was, there's a club in Glasgow called, well, it used to be regularly every Sunday called Optimo. Mm. And the guys from Optimo, the two the DJs, Johnny Wilkes and, and Twitch, they played amazing music. And it, again, you'd never heard, I never heard, I never knew what any of it was really, apart from occasionally they put on the Ramones or Nina Simone or something in between all this amazing techno and electronic music. So that's only my my only real experience of clubbing, you know, going to, and I, I didn't really dance. You just, I'd stand at the side and just have a few drinks and listen to this amazing music that we're playing and appreciating the whole, again, the subculture of it. Well, every, you know, everyone was there together. Um, it's like a kind of ecosystem, everyone working together, dancing together. Yeah. Uh, and the music was feeding off that. It was really cool. But yeah, I was never really much of a clubber. So it's difficult for me to pick. Pick a song. Um, the only other club I was thinking about was uh, when Idlewild were mixing the remote part. We mixed that in London in 2002. And every Monday we'd go to a club called Trash, which was um, in Soho. And it was Errol Alkin was the DJ there. Mm. And he played amazing music too. And that was a bit of a, a, a magnet at the time for, I guess, like cool bands and stuff. Like they put on the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs and a few other groups. And they used to always play The Strokes' first record. The Strokes' first record had just come out. And I think The Strokes' first record is a brilliant piece of guitar pop. You know? Absolutely. So I'll say something from that. Actually. I'll pick that because, I, I like I say, it was never much of a clubber. Optimal, I, I, you know, I couldn't really name you one of the songs I heard mm. there. I just It was all playing, in the, you know, it was just all good stuff they were playing. And Trash, when I think about that, I think about, oh, my earphones just fallen out. I think of The Strokes. And I think of maybe, you know, that song, The Modern Age. Oh, what a tune. It's a great tune. And like, you know, hearing that in a club, uh, like a packed club full of people that are all either in bands or want to be in bands. Yeah. Aspiration, everyone's young, everyone's kind of excited. They're all dressed cool. It's just, and that song just soundtracked that perfectly. So there you go. I mean, I asked you about um, confidence earlier and you, you know, you, you've chosen a, 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 a career in an industry that's you know, famously difficult to achieve the success that, that you've achieved. Um, aside from confidence, would you say that you're driven, Roddy? Well, I don't really think I consider myself to be particularly confident or driven, no. Um, I, but I am compelled to do something. Uh, and I suppose it's the, the mystery of music because I don't know what that is. But I, I'm compelled to do it. 
Yeah. And I don't really ever want to know what that is. That's the thing. Like, there's all these, in the past, I've been asked, well, you know, to take part in like sort of songwriting, like, you know, seminars or, and I'm like, well, I I can't tell you anything about how you do it because I don't know. I just know that I'm something I'm compelled to do. But I had this, I have this sort of talent for coming up with melodies for things. And I've always enjoyed reading and writing. And, you know, that can put those two things together and I can write song words and, you know, write songs. So, but I've never analysed it too much. I've always tried to keep it fresh. And I suppose that's why I'm, I'm still making music, what, 25 years after I started doing it. Because um, it's never got boring or it never felt like there was a formula I was following. I always felt it was something new to do. And so, um, yeah, I don't um, I don't know what um, what compels me to do it, but I suppose I'm just interested in the mystery. Good answer. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Track six, Roddy. Uh, I'm going to take you home and ask for a favourite song from an artist from your home county, please. Home county as in Scotland? A country or a county? Uh, it's county, but um, you will be the 290th person that thought country. Uh, I thought so. Well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> don't worry. <laughs> oh, my God, I don't know then. Because I, I was thinking of Scotland. That's so fine. That's fine. This is literally a regular guy. I need to put county in massive, bold, italics or something when i send these uh lists across because everybody goes for country so it's, well i'm it's thinking because i've got a weird one because i was born in ayrshire so uh, that, that would be my home county and um so i'm thinking obviously robert burns he's not a songwriter he's born in ayrshire um and then i grew up i mainly grew up uh, in scotland on the east coast near dundee and of the fav- my favorite songwriter from dundee is probably michael mara uh but obviously billy mckenzie's from dundee too um and then now i live in you know argyle and butte so I don't even I don't know many songwriters from Argyll and Butte, but I, the answer I'd written down was from Scotland, so I'll just stick with that. Um, and I put um, well, I think Mike Scott's one of the greatest modern Scots modern Scottish songwriters. I think that he's written. When you think of sort of classic songs. Obviously, there's loads of great Scottish bands from Teenage Fan Club to you know Franz Ferdinand, Mogwai. You know, there's loads of brilliant Scottish bands out there, and they, you could pick a song by. But I think Mike Scott sort of writes classic songs in a way that, you know, they wouldn't be out of place released in the 60s or the 70s, yeah. you know, that kind of songwriter. Um, and I think The Hole of the Moon or Fisherman's Blues are two of the two of the best Scottish songs from the past few decades. They've got to be, you know? Yeah. I mean, when they, again, like we're talking about um, Like a Rolling Stone, the start of it, when Hole of the Moon starts or Fisherman's Blues start, you're just taken somewhere, aren't you? I mean, you know exactly where you sing, a, you know. I've just got goosebumps there, Roddy, thinking about that. Yeah, you're right in the song when Fisherman's Blues starts and that part, you're just, I don't know, you're taken away somewhere with us. And he's got that ability to do that, that a lot of songwriters don't have. Songwriters that can write great songs, they just don't have that. And he's got that ability. I, I don't know, you know, I, I realise that Mike has had a long career, he's produced a lot of records, and I don't know that many, you know, many of them. I really know like maybe like three or four of his albums. Mm. But those three or four of their albums, you know, contain lots of amazing songs. Yeah, And I think he's my... 
probably well, he's certainly one of my favourite Scottish artists of all time, and certainly I think Fisherman's Blues. I'll pick Fisherman's Blues as one of my favourite songs from Scotland. Perfection. Or written by a Scotsman. Yeah. Last track, Roddy, uh, and this is when you can be tastemaker. Um, I'm going to ask you, please, to tell me a song that you think many people may not know that you would like them to hear, please. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm going to pick the song Be Not So Fearful by Bill Fay. Um, a lot of people know it a bit more now because it's been covered by people like Wilco and Feist and um, a few other people have brought... Bill Fay was... He put out a few records in the 70s and, you know, no one really was really interested. And then he sort of took a step back and disappeared into normal life for, you know, several decades. Uh, and then they started reissuing his records, as they quite often do. Um, music fans and labels discover, rediscover artists. And so they put out this record, they reissued this record, and Be Not So Fearful is just a really beautiful song. It's almost kind of like a modern hymn, if you know what I mean. Like yeah. anyone, everyone will like it. Kids like it, grannies like it, music fans like it, people that don't like music much. Everyone responds to it that I know. It just It's very beautiful, very kind of sincere. Uh, with a wonderful melody, and it does feel like something that you know should be sang at school, um, but it's not. When did you discover that? Uh, I, I, I've, I've got a couple of friends that are really into um, obscure music. You know, they're, they're the kind of you know I'm sure you've got friends like that too. They, they, you know, it's almost like their their vocation in life was their quest <laughs> to find things that other people have not heard of. <laughs> but I really appreciate that because they're doing all the hard work and they're yeah. saying. I think you'd like this. And it was one of my friends, Graham, I think, said, um, this is an amazing record. You should listen to it. And I listened to it and I thought, this is an amazing record. And then uh, I saw a few years later, I saw Jeff Tweedy, Jeff Tweedy from Wilco um, covering it live. And he, that's another good sign, isn't it, of Jeff Tweedy's, yeah. you know, he's such a sort of a dependable uh, songwriter. He's such a force of good, I think, in music, that if he's covering it, you know, this is a, you know, this is the good stuff. And yeah, I've, I've heard, and I've played it live myself. It's a great song to sing and uh, people always sing along with it and people always get something from it. Like I say, it feels to me kind of like, like a hymn of some, on yeah. some description, a bit like um, Forever Young by Bob Dylan. Yeah. Now that's that, that was, feel, feels the same way when you sing it. That it's a song for everyone. Well, what have you put together a Spotify playlist to accompany this podcast oh, with, with all the tracks that we've spoken about today so people can go and uh, listen to them all. Um, cool. I mean, we're recording this at the beginning of June um, and it feels like there's positive steps to to a, a brighter 2021 and, and a more connected 2021. Um, with that in mind, what are you looking forward to um, personally for the rest of, of, of this year and what's happening creatively? Well, I put out my record, Low Soul, which came out, um, um, you know, just as, only about three weeks ago, digitally. There's a bit of delays with the vinyl and the CD because of all the pandemic stuff. Sure. So that's coming out in August. Uh, so I'm just kind of, and I had lots of concerts um, but have all, that have all been rescheduled now. So these, uh, they now start in October. So I'm just hoping that that happens. And then obviously Idlewild um, celebrated our 25th anniversary as a band last year. And we had concerts planned. Um, again, they've been rescheduled to this year. So there's lots of, there's about, I think I've got about 40 concerts rescheduled. <laughs> so uh, at the moment, um, I'm just hoping that they happen. Um, and getting out and playing concerts again um, will kind of like make things feel uh, like they're back to normal a bit. 
And just, you know, just being in the presence of other humans playing music is kind of an important thing. And that's kind of what I've done uh, most of my life, well, most of my adult life. So uh, I think, I'm, and I miss it. So I'm looking forward to that. And yeah, I, I'll be, I guess I'll be start working on something else. I'm always, like I say, got something, um, there's always ideas going on. And uh, uh, last year we made a record, Andrew Mitchell and I made a record remotely like this, pretty much. Um, and that's just come out, it's called Low Soul, so people can listen to that. Um, yeah, that's it, really. And if people want to find out about all of that stuff, where's the best place to sort of keep up to speed with you, Roddy? Well, I have a website, um, roddywimble.net, I think it is. So that's got all my information on tour dates and releases, and you can buy stuff from Bandcamp page and that. That's pretty much seems to be the port of call these days for if you want any information on me. Perfect. Roddy, it's been an absolute pleasure getting to talk oh, records with you today. Yeah. Thank you so much for your time, mate. I'm sorry I didn't get the list, Ian. It's fine. Time. It's fine. Blame Princess Anne. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll leave you to go out there and wave your bunting and, uh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, enjoy your day with the Royals. All right. <laughs> Thanks loads, Roddy. Cheers. There you go. Um, yeah. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. Um, I had... Yeah, I was sitting there just trying to kind of rein myself in because um, I had a million and one questions to ask about Art of Wild Records and, and stuff like that. And uh, the podcast isn't the place for that. You know, this is about the songs that have been important to Roddy, um, not me wanting to ask him about, yeah, that track on <clears throat> that album or that B-side. Um, you never know. Maybe another time. Maybe another time. But um, what a lovely chat. Um yeah, great to hear. I mean, just the, the stories about the travelling, just like what effect must that have on someone? Um, yeah, fascinated. And, to, you know, to find out at such a young age to be, you know, in and around Athens, Georgia, where where the magic was happening. Oh, my God, what I would have given to to have been there and to, uh, yeah, stuck my head through the doors of the 40 Watt Club and seen a, an early REM or B-52s or Pylon or... God, so many, so many amazing bands um, floating about from that neck of the woods. Um, anyway, <clears throat> so thanks again to uh, to Roddy. Thanks to Anastasia for, and Bruce for helping putting that together. Um, thanks to you lot for continuing to support this podcast. As mentioned at the beginning, go and explore the back catalogue. Um, I'm just trying to think of some other Scottish artists I've had on uh, recently. Um, Charlene Spatiri from Texas was on a couple of weeks ago. Um, really, really uh, interesting chat there. Oh, gosh, there's. I'm, I'm not going to try and remember them all. Go and have a rummage in the archives because there's 300 episodes and I guarantee there'll be, if you're a fan of, um, of Roddy's work, you'll be a fan of so many of the other artists that I've been lucky enough to sit and have these chats with so um yeah go and uh, go and explore we're on all the usual places why not subscribe that helps um yeah i'm done have a lovely week um be excellent to each other and uh, and thanks again for listening i'll see you next time thank you bye bye it's off the beat and track podcast on the distraction pieces network with me stew with him Ew.